Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Hello and welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. I'm Sarah Gallo, an Associate Editor at Training Industry. And I'm Taryn Aish, Managing Editor of Digital Content at Training Industry. Before we start, we'd like to thank the Inception Company for sponsoring this episode. The Inception Company builds engagement products and services. Our newest innovation, Pando, bridges the gap between traditional, virtual, and in-person meetings by integrating a full studio production with remote participants displayed on a 40-foot video wall. In-person moderator, or moderators, and seamless onboarding support to deliver the experience and impact of an in-person meeting. For more information, visit www.pandomeetings.com or www.inceptioncompany.com. Forget everything you know about virtual meetings. Imagine being able to engage with others from anywhere across the globe, just like you would if you were sitting across the room from them. New technologies can make this happen. To learn more about virtual meetings, today we're speaking with Matt Gigorik, CEO of the Inception Company, and Sean Urban, president of the Inception Company. Matt and Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to be here. This topic has, of course, become even more relevant than it was when we planned this episode. Uh, as we record, more and more companies, both in the U.S., where we're located, and around the world, are, are moving work online as much as they can. And, of course, that includes hosting virtual meetings. But even in you know, situations that aren't quite as extreme as, as this one, why might a company decide to host a virtual meeting rather than an in-person meeting? Matt, why don't we start with you? Sure. Uh, it's hard not to answer that question in the context of what's happening right now with coronavirus, but I think in a, a very general sense, people are looking for virtual alternatives to live meetings for a couple of key reasons. One is expense, and the other is just time and complexity and logistics. And more and more people are with dual-income families and pressures of childcare and home care. They're finding it difficult to get on a plane and fly somewhere for a day-long meeting. And virtual meeting alternatives are, of course, rising in general. But now in the face of coronavirus, it's become a national imperative, even a global imperative, that we find a way to keep the world of work alive and moving despite the challenges presented by the disease. But I do think that it's going to continue as a trend and accelerate well beyond coronavirus because this has been certainly a wake-up call for many. And uh, Sean, anything to add there? I think the only other thing to add is that we're also finding in having discussions with our clients, they're desiring to keep their uh, staff members and team members local local within their sales territories, local within their uh, businesses, to keep the business uh, operating on a day-to-day -day basis rather than taking them away to fly to some other location that's going to take them away from their business or their sales territories for a day or two, and also taking them uh, away from uh, their family. And so keeping people working within their businesses and not consuming them with all the travel that goes with it uh, becomes a very, very important decision point in doing virtual trainings and meetings. Thanks. So the next uh, question then is what, what makes a virtual meeting successful? I can start with that. This is, uh, this is Sean. I think historically, the problems that have incurred associated with virtual meetings have been a handful of consistent ones. Number one, um, technology challenges. Oftentimes, virtual meeting platforms require a plug-in or a download that is required in order to connect 
to the virtual meeting platform. There is onboarding challenges, challenges with technology savviness uh, to get connected uh, to the uh, platform. Oftentimes there is audio and video problems that are problematic with the meeting, web cameras uh, not being compatible or shutting off and bandwidth challenges on some platforms requiring too much bandwidth for doing a virtual meeting in the environment, whether it's an office, a hotel, or the convenience of someone's home. And so technology challenges have been really, really problematic up to this point. Also, the virtual meeting platforms today, even some of the more progressive video conferencing platforms, it's been very, very difficult to lead those meetings and really drive engagement along the way. It's hard to see people in thumbnail sketches or prints on your laptop, desktop, or or iPad. You can't read body language or gestures as much as you would like to. And so as a result, you really can't tell if people are engaged in that virtual meeting or if they're distracted. We also know that a lot of these uh, platforms in the past really have insufficient tools uh, that that drive that engagement, so they lack multimodality in nature. And so for all of those reasons and, and probably more, the platforms that people have used historically have really, really fallen short, and really the marketplace has demanded more and better, and companies have been trying to evolve technologies to address many of these shortcomings. And I can certainly pile on there with the word engagement. What makes a meeting successful is if the attendees are engaged in that conversation fully. And we all know the primary challenge of virtual meeting platforms, at least the traditional choices, is that people do a very predictable thing when they're on a conference call, a Zoom call, you name you name it. They tend to put their phone on mute and lean back and multitask, check their email. And so they're kind of participating, they're kind of listening, they're kind of engaged, but they're not fully engaged. And that really is the difference between a great meeting and one that's only half fulfilling, if you will. Definitely. And how would you say technologies are overcoming some of these challenges and limitations that you both have mentioned about virtual meetings, such as engagement? Sean, do you want to start us off? Sure. I think technologies are evolving and new platforms have have surfaced where there is a high level of production value associated with the virtual meeting platform or technology. So using television studios to produce uh, a virtual meeting where a technical director and a director and a producer and robotic camera operators and sound engineers are all working together to take the technology in essence out of the leader's hand and out of the presenter's hand and constantly switching that program view, just naturally how the conversation is organically flowing and giving individuals an experience that is almost entertaining in nature. You're seeing large video walls being built in studios where, where individuals are life-sized on these video walls so that trainers and and leaders and facilitators of these meetings can see life-size mannerisms, body language, facial expressions to know if people are engaged or not. We're seeing technologies build polling and spontaneous survey capabilities into the, the platform to reaffirm 
that people are understanding the points or the information or content that they are uh, engaging with. We're also seeing white glove service really being applied to more progressive and innovative platforms in terms, in terms of the onboarding experience where help desks are, staff are literally connecting right into the individual's computer, laptop, or desktop, making sure that their internet connectivity is strong, checking their web camera settings, checking their local audio levels, and staying with that participant throughout the, the course of the entire virtual meeting so that should, if any technology issues arise, that they're there to triage those technology issues. We're also seeing that engagement is being able to specifically be measured in more of the advanced platforms. Lots of data on folks come in to these virtual meeting platforms and it's important to be able to measure how engaged people are throughout the course of a training or a meeting for a variety of reasons. And so more progressive algorithms are being built to specifically calculate engagement scores for each individual who participates in uh, certain virtual meeting platforms. And, and those are just a handful of ways that we've really seen the technology evolve to one that is much more innovative, progressive, and, and easy to connect to today. I think there is a tendency in the technology world to think that the challenges of virtual meetings are going to simply be solved by technology. And Sean just gave us some great examples of how things have changed for the better. But we also see it running in the opposite direction where platforms are relying on artificial intelligence, in effect, to help manage a meeting. So just as a small example, allowing for if somebody starts talking, well, suddenly they take over a screen, et cetera. And that's where technology gets in the way. And having a human intervention, the skill of a producer, a director involved in a program can take it out of technology's hands and put it into somebody's hands who understands the objective of the meeting, the role that people are playing, understands how an organic conversation flows, how to follow that conversation in a logical and even exciting way. And that can't be done easily by robots. And it's important to have a human element and not think that technology is going to solve everything. That's such a great point. As remote work continues to rise, especially, you know, in light of the coronavirus and, and teams are increasingly dispersed across the globe, what tips do you have for leading successful virtual meetings and, and keeping employees engaged in those meetings? I've found over the years that I've both been a participant and now leading a business focused on virtual meetings, I've found that one of the best ways to engage people in a meeting is to Treat it like a live meeting. Treat it like a social moment. It's not just about the agenda and the content and the presentation and the dialogue. Sometimes it's about getting to know each other and feeling comfortable and confident with each other. And that means social banter. So one of the things I recommend, we recommend, is building social moments and social banter into the agenda. Don't start the meeting at exactly one o'clock. Start the meeting at 20 after one and spend the first 20 minutes asking people how they're doing, asking people how the weather is there in Denver, asking people how they're dealing with whatever the, the crisis of the moment might be. 
ask about their family, ask about their favorite football team, and pull people into that conversation by virtue of welcoming them as humans first and then as meeting participants second. The other thing that I would just add on to that, Matt, and I couldn't agree with you more in terms of integrating the social aspect into virtual meetings is the the facilitator and presenters within virtual meetings, they have to bring the really the same amount of energy that they would to an in-person meeting to a virtual environment. Their level of engagement and energy and excitement becomes really, really important in order to keep the virtual participants really leaning in and engaged throughout the, the course of the meeting. And, and also from the presenter or, or moderator's point of view, leveraging the multimodality engagement tools and aspects of the platform that they're using to the fullest extent so that you're using different techniques and tools at your disposal to keep people connected to you and the content that you're delivering. For sure. That connection is just so important right now, especially. And as we do move into the future of work, how do you both see virtual meetings impacting the way that employees learn? Matt, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be a comprehensive impact because more and more learning is going to be occurring in virtual environments. People still yearn for live experiences and live instructor-led sessions. They yearn for on-the-job training. But increasingly, and as we're seeing right now with some imperative behind it, people are being forced to go through learning process or cycles online. And it's just going to become part of everyday work culture even more so moving forward. And it's a muscle that has to be flexed along the way. It's not something everybody is good at. And I mentioned being distracted and multitasking as a, as a universal problem. People have to focus on and learn how to be intensely engaged in a meeting, even though they're alone somewhere in their home or remote, they need to practice and learn how to remain attentive and focused, take breaks when you need to make sure the environment is appropriate for spending an hour or two hours in that learning session. And over time, it's going to become more and more second nature for everybody. And the intensity required for it to be effective is going to be more second nature, I think. And I think the encouraging thing is that with the, the generation now entering the workforce, the millennials that are entering the workforce, they're digital natives by heart. They've grown up around technology their entire life. And so their ability to evolve their learning style and capabilities within a digital environment is, is going to be, um, and we've seen it much, much quicker than perhaps folks in, in my generation or, or Matt's generation. And they're almost expecting to be for, for digital and technology to be at the core of how they're, how they, how they're trained and how they, they learn. And I, I'll give you a, a real world example in my household that just happened last night. I have a five-year-old daughter and um, even at five years old, we're limiting the amount of time that they're spending on their iPad to uh, 30 minutes a day. And last night before I was putting her to bed, she said, Daddy, when are we going to go to a state fair? And I said, well, Riley, I said, how do you even know about state fairs? And she goes, well, I learned about state fairs, Daddy, on YouTube. And so even the most rudimentary learning is happening uh, digitally 
via YouTube and, and other channels in the most formative stages of our children. And so I think technology and virtual training solutions are poised to really be effective uh, with the digital natives that are in the workforce today and that will be in the workforce tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's such a great point. I see that with my uh, my niece and my godchildren as well. They're definitely already digital natives at a young age. Right. So we, we know that employees today are increasingly looking for flexible work environments. But I would love to hear how you think that virtual meetings can promote flexibility in the workplace and help that employee desire. Sean, do you want to start? Sure. It's hard to not put this in the context of COVID-19 and the, and the pandemic that we're experiencing right now. But virtually all of our clients, including our company itself, has moved to a work from home policy during these times. And so we are seeing literally an influx of uh, meetings that were scheduled to be in person and live being transitioned to some sort of virtual meeting environment and platform. And we've been there for our clients to be able to uh, provide a, a multitude of virtual meeting solutions, you know, for their, for their events. And we're really, really focused on marrying the right content, the right type of meeting that they desire to hold with the right virtual meeting platform and technology and understanding the content, understanding the environment that the participant is going to be taking the meeting in, understanding the technology, hardware, and internet connectivity that the participants will have in the environment that they're going to be participating in the meeting in becomes really, really important in making the appropriate technology recommendations and also in formatting and designing the curriculum for the particular meeting from various agency partners that we work with. So it's never been more, I guess, omnipresent than right now with the situation that we're faced with. Yeah, and I think flexibility in the workforce, it has been a growing need. Dual-income families, the changing nature of work, the role of technology, all conspiring to create a different expectation of what it means to be a worker. In the past, it was nine to five at a location. Time and space have now busted wide open, and we have to figure out as as humans, how do we incorporate work into our world when there are no real boundaries anymore? We don't have to be physically in one place, and there's really no such thing as nine to five anymore. So how does work expand to fill flexible needs and have different situations that everybody finds themselves in, but also how do we work somehow to contain work so that it is not 24-7 occupying us at all times? Um, just a small anecdote, but I know lots and lots of people who take their phone with them to bed. Their phone is sitting alongside them in the bed. They, The last thing they look at and the first thing they look at when they wake up. I've made a practice for whatever reason, years ago, of never bringing my phone into the bedroom and leaving it like it's it's shut off. That part of my life is no longer engaged. I'll engage it when I take the dogs out and get a cup of coffee later in the morning. But we have to decide that, you know, what with flexibility comes also the opportunity for complete encroachment and being overwhelmed by work. And we have to figure out a way to tamp it down in the right ways and in the right places. For sure. It's definitely important to find that balance. Do either of you have any thoughts you would like to leave us with about virtual meetings or virtual meetings in the future of work? I'll start by saying that 
this last three-week, two-week period has been a wake-up call for the world of work. And it will be a double crisis if we simply revert back to the way we were working and using virtual technologies um, and that we don't somehow, if we don't learn from this, it will really be a, a double crime. Companies have to now think forward, not just for preparedness in the event of a disaster and how do we move the world of our office to a virtual environment, but they should be thinking way more proactively than that. How can we operate virtually and minimize the likelihood of there being any real material change in what we expect, how we deploy, how we communicate and engage, et cetera. And we do think that's where this is going to go and what will be the collective impact of coronavirus long after it's gone, is that it will have changed the way people think about their working world and how technology and virtual engagements can can be a part of a solution. And within that vein, we also believe as we come out of this crisis that the increase in, in leveraging uh, virtual meeting platforms and technologies for many of the reasons that Matt just expressed is going to be required in these economic times that we are uh, facing. And we, we see virtual technologies actually allowing our clients' commercial budgets, training budgets, et cetera, to be extended further in these economically suppressed times, which is going to be really, really important to help companies really stand up and stand up more quickly in face of not only this health crisis, but will be some significant economic difficulties that a variety of business sectors will face in uh, the coming weeks uh, and months ahead of us. All right. Well, that wraps up this special episode of the Business of Learning. Matt and Sean, thank you so much for coming and talking with us today uh, on this very timely, very important topic. Thank you so much. It was great to be a part of the discussion. Yes. Thank you so much. For more insights on virtual meetings and other remote work topics, check out the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. And as always, if you're enjoying this episode and our other episodes, we encourage you to rate and review us on your platform of choice to help other learning leaders find us. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.